Welcome to Settle the Far. This is Corey Garvey, and this is my podcast where I speak with people who are starting a life in an entirely new place. I'm going to talk to them about their motivations for making the move, how they actually made it happen, and most of all, what they learned assimilating into a new world with new values and meeting a whole new set of people. The first three people I'm talking to are friends of mine who have made physical moves to new countries, but I'm looking to speak with people who have also changed careers or integrated into a new community about what their experience was like. In these first few episodes, I'm still learning how to podcast myself, so I've made a couple different editing choices. Some of the episodes are longer than others, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you could head over to the website at podcast.coreygarvey.com and let me know what you think. In the first episode, I'm speaking with Andrew Patrick. Andrew is a friend who grew up in Ireland before spending a few years of his childhood in Saudi Arabia. From there, he moved to the United States, where he went to high school and college and studied, among other things, Chinese, which brought him to Beijing after college for five years. This is the majority of our talk, and what I'll say is that a lot of the choices that he made were clearly driven by larger priorities in his life, and it seems like he had a good ability to hang on to those priorities in order to know when to make more massive leaps in decisions he made. For me, this was very informative. I recently moved to London myself a couple years ago, so I can hear a lot of similarities in how I was going about the decision-making. So without further ado, enjoy the first episode of Settled Afar and my conversation with Andrew Patrick. All right. Hey, Andrew, thank you for taking the time to chat. You are sitting now in San Francisco, California, if that's right? That's right. What specifically about China motivated you to want to go there? Um, so when I, when I went to, to Hamilton uh, College in upstate New York, I wanted to get into a couple of critical languages, um, and it was down to Arabic or Chinese. Arabic because of my you know, history in Saudi Arabia, and I didn't have an opportunity to learn it there, um, but I wanted to fill that hole. I felt like I, I needed to learn it. Um, and then the Chinese because of the economy. I mean, if you open a newspaper, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago and, you know, even more so now everything was about, you know, China booming. Right. And, and I was an econ major. Um, and so that, that triggered an interest for me. And so ultimately between the two, I had to choose one and the Arabic program at Hamilton was not fantastic. It was, it was, it was largely independent study program. The Chinese program is, they have one of the best in the, in the nation. It's, it's a really excellent program. And combining the availability of such a great program plus my interest in, in China from a career standpoint, um, knowing, knowing that you know, the economy was going where it was going, I was an econ major, um, knowing some Chinese could complement that, I dove into Chinese language classes starting sophomore year at, at Hamilton. And so the initial motivation was certainly, you know, career, career motivated. It was, I could have a leg up against others, um, in the job market. If I was able to, to speak Chinese and have an econ major, 
um, I could um, uh, better understand the market, um, better do business, better understand the culture if I spoke Chinese. Um, and so I, I started taking it sophomore year. Um, I then, my first, first time going to China was sophomore, sophomore summer. Um, it, it, I, it came about uh, via an event that we had at Hamilton where a lot of our parents were on campus and we were having a kind of a gathering. And I was talking to one of my classmates' uh, fathers who he's in law and we were talking about China and he had been there once or twice. We were exchanging, you know, uh, just thoughts on the economy, um, why we were interested, why we were fascinated with, with the, uh, with the country. And I obviously had never been there and he offered to put me in touch with a, someone at a law firm there for an internship. And he said, you know, why don't you just get over there? And I had taken about three months of, of Chinese at that time, but I said, I mean, hell yeah, let, I mean, why not? Let's 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 do it. Yeah. And so he put me in touch with with someone at this at this law firm um, in Beijing. They said, come on over. And a few months later, I was doing my blood tests in in Saudi Arabia, going through the the visa process, and uh, I then got on a plane and, and flew to to China. Uh, that summer, I was—I guess I was 18 or 19—and I, I remember, um, you know, at that point I had one year of Chinese under my belt, so I could basically, you know, order some basic food, um, you know, simple dialogue, things like that. And I remember—I remember landing, and the gentleman at the law firm was a guy called called Dan, Dan. Uh, Wang, and, and uh, they were speaking English at the law firm. No, it was mostly Chinese. Yeah. It was it was it was mostly Chinese. But I hadn't even gotten to the law firm yet, right? I I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and I land, and Dan picks me up, and he had he had okay English. Um, we made it work, you know, between my yeah. elementary Chinese and his his uh, mediocre English. And I remember him bringing me to his car. And he opened his truck, and he he you know, he was you know being a great host and like welcoming me to China, and he opens his truck and there's this there's a, he gives me a drink, and it was it was like this brownish liquid, it like tasted like barbecued tobacco almost. It was it was it was, it was rotten, but I couldn't I couldn't um, you know let him know that I wanted to spit it out. <laughs> you know I had to swallow it and be appreciative of it, and I remember just I remember getting back to the apartment that night and thinking, wow, this is. This is pretty. Uh, this is pretty wild that, you know, I'm I'm in China, um, but it was also yeah. fright, frightening at the same time because everything was in Chinese. I had very little Chinese. I knew that it was going to be difficult to communicate, um, and it was. But over the course of that summer, the spontaneity of things the overall buzz the ability to try very new things i think you know experience that i wasn't even aware of um having you know some crazy nights and and uh and days um 
my fascination grew tremendously beyond just you know the career driven i want to learn chinese and be part of china for this for the sake of you know being able to do business yeah um and it was a lot of the yeah just the 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 element of kind of like a little bit like the wild west at the time you know that you could the feeling of being able to do to do anything try anything meet um all sorts of people from all over the world but also you know learn a tremendous amount about the chinese culture um that fascination just kept growing and growing and growing and then i was hooked and then i went back went back to hamilton at the end of that summer and and ended up majoring in chinese didn't minor majored in chinese majored in econ and then quickly quickly went back to uh to china after that for a scholarship and then actually i left left china after that scholarship went back to london and ireland and i was looking at this is after graduation i was looking at potentially getting into consulting um or finance which is a you know pretty common route um and i spent five months back there and ultimately got to a point of realization where I look look inside and, and be and, and think about whether i really want to basically pass up uh you know this this moment in my life where I could I could pick up my bags and go back to China and try and make something work there um, without having you know a family for example to take with me you know I'm basically free to do that um, or do I want to really keep pounding the the pavement and, and just go ahead and get into consulting or, or or banking or otherwise here in Ireland or or London you know at the time yeah. and so, I decided so, to go so I went back to China so that was it from. <clears throat> From there, that yeah. kind of decision of, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty binary at that point, right? Like, am I gonna, yeah, am I gonna so push I, it I, in London or am I gonna go? Yeah. So at that point, at that point, uh, I was working uh, part time for for a a uh, recruitment firm, um, and they gave me flexibility to to work remotely. So I I picked up and I went to China, and uh, spent a few months. Hopping around, um, you know, leveraging contacts uh, that I had through through Hamilton and otherwise. I was in Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, um, meetings, interviews, and finally landed a spot in Beijing. But I mean, you know, that was you know, living <laughs> living on living on couches um, for a little while, uh, just kind of hustling, yeah. and uh, finally got that spot in in Beijing and and uh, made Beijing made Beijing home. And from there. Yeah, it took a, took a couple of years until it felt like home, but it was always the, just the, uh, kind of, as I said, kind of the spontaneity of things and the unique opportunities you had. I think the, the first thing that comes, that's clear to me is that um, that moment of decision of do I want to make this happen it it was a very personal decision. It wasn't something that seemed to have been, obviously, some external forces impacted um, your ability to make that decision. And and sounds like this person that you met that hooked you up at the law firm and that the internship was an important person in your life, really. And mm-hmm. 
but then at some point you're you're in this space where you have to decide do you want to go and maybe that that was um you were put in that position even deciding whether to go for the internship and it was a yeah a bit of foreshadowing as far as like the fact that when you really want to go somewhere um at that time you were equipped with a possible internship but that when you decided being in london okay i'm gonna go was there any worry that you wouldn't be able to find a job was there any thought of absolutely yeah yeah there there was but the thing was i mean this was uh, after that the internship in beijing and after junior year spent in beijing and experiencing the buzz and the vibe and you know the feeling there is there's everyone is everyone's kind of hustling there's a hustle and bustle on a daily basis you know you're around 20 plus million people in a city um there's so much going on in the economy there's growth there's opportunity there's people creating new businesses um back at that time when i landed back in in london and and, and ireland things were just it just seemed so just seemed mundane to a certain degree and and, and like and like normal and I also knew that I could always come back to that if I ever wanted to. Like you could always move back home, yeah. you know. And uh, you, I think there's certain times in your in your life where you only get one shot to to experience a new culture and experience a new place. And fortunately for me, I I, I made the decision to just yeah take it into, take it into consideration all the, the the risks associated with it. I just said screw it. I mean, why not? Yeah. Like, what's what, what's the worst that could happen, right? And I think that's. That's a question that we need to ask ourselves pretty regularly, and that goes back to my 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 point about saying yes to more, right? Yeah. It's like, why not? Moving forward a little to when you were in China and things had stabilized a little bit, were there any habits that you built? Whether it was going to a certain gym, or you mentioned, you know, the uh, international market or whatever it is that maybe put you in a place that um, you didn't feel so homesick for lack of a better word. And I, I know for me bringing something like the, like running um, mm-hmm. over to London has been, it just allows me to kind of get back to like, I just throw on the same music, the same American music that I would have listened to otherwise and go for a run. And it's like, okay, I'm kind of back. I feel like I'm back in the zone. doesn't matter yeah. where I am. I can do this. Yeah. Um, so someone that was, that was very important, um, in kind of guide me within Beijing and within China broadly, uh, was one of my, my good friends from Hamilton who also studied on the Chinese program and ended up in Beijing. And he had been there for two or three years before I went to Beijing. And so he kind of showed me the ropes introduced me into his friend his friend network um and involved me in just you know when 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 he was meeting up with folks or getting into or traveling or doing something unique on the weekends you know i would always be invited and that was a huge help right like having having a friend or multiple friends in the location where you're going to be residing abroad um is critical right and that's 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 pretty obvious but in 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 a, in a, particularly for a place where there's language barriers as well, um, and large cultural uh, differences to your to your home country, um, it's particularly useful. 
Um, and so he would, you know, as I said, you know, bring me to the restaurants and, and introduce me to all of his friends. Um, but one, one, uh, critical activity that he got me involved in was like the, was the soccer team. Um, on a, we had five aside soccer on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and then 11 aside on Sundays. And that not only introduced kind of a, a regular cadence and kind of a, a um, um, you know, a schedule to, to build around um, that adds regularity to, to your life, um, but also, you know, kept that competitive angle and exercise that I wanted to have that I could still, that I could, could take from, from the U.S. slash Europe and bring it to Beijing. And still having that as like a core was very, was very valuable. Um, and in terms of habits, I, if I could ask a, a, yeah, a question ahead. or two about that, yeah, um, about that time, I guess the first question I would have was: it is that a team that's made up? So this is five on five. Yeah, that um, that was indoor or outdoor? It was outdoor. Okay, and then the eleven aside, I'm sure is outdoor. Is outdoor. Um, yeah. And are these other expats? Was this Chinese? Guys? It was, was it guys and girls? Is it just men? It was a combination um, of of expats and locals. Um, it was predominantly uh, an expat league, but there were there were uh, excuse me. It was predominantly expat um, in the I would say probably the, the top uh, the top half of the of the of the table. Um, or maybe just the top few teams, but the the, the overall was certainly certainly mixed. Yeah. Um, and then it was male female as well, uh, but it was predominantly male. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then I'm sure, as with most leagues like this, you know, you go out and probably get a couple beers afterwards, or and it, it kind of yeah. opens you up to a network you didn't have before, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's not just for you know the folks on your team, but also you know, everybody involved in the league, right? So, you know, you would end up having beers with the guys from, from the other team that you played that night. And the expat community is small enough where you, know, you end up having mutual acquaintances, right? And, and, and similar to what you were saying where, you know, you have like-minded individuals, people that are, that are in Beijing or in London for the same reasons, you end up uh, fostering pretty deep relationships with a lot of those folks. And then you end up sharing experiences with them and, um, yeah, we would, we would, it was a very social thing, right? You're competitive yeah. on, the, on the pitch and then you're, you're having drinks and, and food uh, outside of that, whether it's the same night or just more broadly, um, yeah. you know, in Beijing. And then another question on the point that you made about the competitiveness, and I think this is a, an interesting one. Um, did you find, was there any reason to believe that there was, was there a different side of competitiveness of how competitive the expats were compared to the locals. And was it more just that there was a bit of a void in your own life because you were coming from uh, playing, I don't know, some type of competitive athletics right before you got to China? Was it, was it that you were missing out on it or was this like a unique space within that culture where you found a, uh, I don't know, a competitive aspect that maybe in the, 
the rest of culture. I, my experience in China is that it feels feels even competitive going to the market. But yeah, <laughs> um, so I think the if if I wanted to find a competitive, uh, predominantly Chinese league in Beijing, I could have found that too, um, and I could have participated in that, and that would have been that would have been fine. Um, I think the the reason that I was drawn particularly to the the league that I joined, which was largely expats, one, it was simply because my buddy Mike was part of it and he just ushered me in and, and welcomed me on the team. Um, but the other aspect was those Tuesday and Wednesday nights and that, that Sunday morning, the 11 aside, was not only uh, valuable because of the exercise and the competitive angle and nature of it, but also because it was kind of an escape as well um, from the the daily you know hustle and um, always working in Chinese um, and just kind of getting back to a group getting into a group of 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 expats and and kind of talking about sharing experiences, you know, just the general banter. Right, that you that you that you miss, um, that was that was kind of an escape as well. Uh, yeah, which is which is hugely hugely valuable. Yeah, I've I've found that that sort of thing, it surprises me at times how useful that can be. And even for me right now, I'm in a job where I find I get that escape through work in in ways that I didn't expect because around my my place and um if i'm going to go get drinks with a friend you can go into a pub and it's largely english or it's it has the international vibe of london whereas at work there's there's a bit of a like-minded kind of group that i work with and at it's not all all the time and it might just be with certain projects i'm working on or something um but it's a largely expat group that i work with and it can be very liberating to be on your own and to be able to make decisions for yourself, I think, and, and decide that, you know, I want to spend my time, um, doing this activity or, or I want to, you know, read, read a book all, all day on Sunday. And, And you can do that when you're on your own, but it, you need to balance it with that, um, just some sort of feeling of like, social connectedness and it's you can be in a city of 20 million people or whatever it is and be extremely lonely if you're not able to have those just normal interactions with people right yeah and that's what i felt you know that initial day that i was describing uh for that internship you know when i when i got back to the apartment i was looking around and everything's in chinese and it's a totally new culture and I didn't know anybody, right? Like not a soul, except for the guy I just met, Dan. Like nobody. Um, I, it was pretty daunting at that time. It was that you know this the first time I had culture shock and actually was a little bit uh, worried about how things were going to go that summer. Um, but the very next day, I went for a walk, um, and I just started wandering. Didn't know where I was going. Started wandering. Walked into a, a noodle restaurant. Um, <laughs> walked to a noodle restaurant and tried to order some some chicken, 
uh, with rice, and the lady behind the counter just rattled some Chinese at me, and I had no idea what she said, and I just nodded and said sure, and I got <laughs> I got a plate of rice with cold chicken with the skin on it, you know the head yeah. the, the head the claw everything. And that just weighed on me, weighed in on me even further. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> like this is this is going to be a rough, rough summer. But literally, you know, about 30 minutes later, after I finished the rice and barely touched the chicken, I walked out of that place, um, walked down the street, and it just so happened that I had chosen a noodle restaurant that was next to the university where Hamilton had a study abroad program. And I ran into a guy from Hamilton that I knew. And it was just bumping into him. Then I was into that network for the whole summer. Yeah. You know, and it was it was having that one connection that opened up all the doors to, you know, hey, we're going for drinks, or hey, why don't you join our soccer team for the summer? Or hey, yeah. we're doing a great wall trip, or you know, all of that. And so it it certainly as you said, it's important to have those social connections. <laughs> Um, to have to have the escape, yeah. um, and then I think and, and, other, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just think to that point, you know, you, you you've put yourself in a spot before you meet this guy that you you kind of don't have another option but to be open to the things he proposes to the the. I mean, I don't know how well you knew him at Hamilton or if you knew mm-hmm. him well at all, but you're in a spot where you're more likely to say yes. You're more likely to say oh. You know, I'll come to this Chinese restaurant that I never would have gone to on my own. I probably would have tried to go to an international food market and continue to cook, you know, American food for myself in my apartment as long as I could. But you have this trusting person and that sort of relationship right there, it gives you confidence that making a bit of a riskier call or even hanging out with a group of people that you wouldn't otherwise is the right move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's I think that's a fair point. I think it's interesting. You know, I didn't know him very well back at Hamilton, but because we're both in this very foreign place, you know, to the two of us, yeah, you you, you kind of have this camaraderie and like brothers in arms type element to it, where it's like, you know, he was overly, you know, super welcoming and saying, "Hey, yeah, just join us." Like I know that, <laughs> I know that, you know, what your what challenges you're gonna have. Um, I know that you're here to experience, um, you know, the, the Chinese culture and just get into all sorts of things. And I'm, I'm, I'm here for the same reason. And let's, you know, let's all have a go at it together, you know, and yeah. let's, let's help each other out. Um, but yeah, it was, it was having that social connect that was hugely, hugely valuable. And then another, you asked about habits. I was just thinking one of the, one of the grinds of, of living in Beijing and, and China generally as a Westerner is unless you have a VPN, you can't access a lot of the Western media sites. So like, yeah. for example, you know, New York times was blocked. Um, Bloomberg was blocked a lot of times, you know, financial times. I don't know if the economist was blocked, like certain, you know, publications. Um, and then also there isn't the greatest selection of, of books compared to what you would get, you know, at, in, in the yeah. U.S., for example, right? Um, and one of the things that I, I remember that kind of gave me a it was kind of a, a, a cornerstone or kind of a, a 
something that kept me grounded and, and helped me refocus was every Sunday morning, I had a habit of going to an international hotel where they would have the FT weekend, you know, the, financial, the, the weekend edition of the Financial Times. And that was like an escape valve as well, in and of itself, in that I was catching up on uh, you know, reading all the international news, reading you know the life and arts section, and it was just refresh, just simple thing of sitting there and having like a good coffee, a good, um, you know, it could be eggs Benedict or whatever it was at an international hotel, and reading an international publication um, was was hugely, hugely valuable and helped me do a reset, you know, each Sunday. Um, and kind of kind of escape as well. So it, it's interesting you asked that question, but I think yeah, I hadn't thought about that in a while. But that was that was as simple as that sounds. It was uh, that was important. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time. This has been a really enjoyable talk. I think in the future it may be nice to catch up again, get on get on some of these specifics again. I definitely want to hear more about. Uh, I mean, a lot of things. You spent time in Saudi, in America, what it was like for you coming to America. Um, obviously, great to hear about China. And hopefully we can do this again sometime and, and get into some of those things. Absolutely. would love to. Thanks for, uh, for taking the time to, 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 uh, to ask the questions and, uh, yeah. and also share, share your perspective. You know, I think you've got a lot to share, too. Totally. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. And... Uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. All right. Enjoy the day in London. Thanks. Hey, you're still here. Before you continue with your life, please head over to podcast.coreygarvey.com and send some feedback. All the music you hear is by Peggy Bunker and the Bunkmates. Find them on SoundCloud and look out for their upcoming debut album. Thanks again for joining, and I'll talk to you next time on Settle the Far. Settle the Far.